Jocelyn, and welcome to episode one of season two of Get Cute Podcast. Holy shit. We're here. I'm back. You're here. Let's do this. How are y'all? I know my last episode or the last episode of season one was me trying to help y'all out through uh, quarantine and this COVID-19 pandemic that we have going on right now. I hope that y'all found that helpful. I really thought that that was a good episode (laughs) to kind of end season one because I think that is the most dramatic ending that I could have. And, you know, I am a Leo and drama is what I like. I don't like being in drama, but I like creating drama. Ooh, that makes me sound kind of, mm, I'm just going to leave that there. And Today we are going to be talking about how to beat a pip. I will admit the title is slightly clickbaity. However, I am going to give you actual bullet points and advice that you will need. Unfortunately, some of the advice you would need before, you actually received a pip um but it's kind of how it how it plays out (laughs) now um it's time for a disclaimer I now have to do this because of a situation that happened on Twitter weeks ago but I feel as though I am going to add this to every episode from now on at least in season two just so we all know and we are clear I am a software engineer. I like teaching people. I like giving back to people. That is the main reason why I started this podcast. However, I cuss in this podcast. I am a grown-ass woman, so the way I present information may not be something that you like. So this is your way out. If you don't agree with me cussing, you don't agree with something that I said, yada, 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 um, I always take constructive criticism through email at thegetcutepodcast.com or you can DM me on Twitter at um, getcutepodcast. I try not to do podcast things on my personal Twitter account just because I like the separation. Um, But if any of this makes you believe that I'm taking away from the information that's being presented, you think I'm a full-on idiot, feel free to pause, close the app wherever you're listening to this podcast, close the website, shut off the RSS feed, sis, you don't got to listen. You don't have to follow. You don't talk about it. You can just move on. And I will move on too. So now with that being said, let's get into the episode. So the reason why I wanted to make an episode about a pip is essentially a lot of my episodes I make about things that are going on in my life because I feel as though something, if you go through something, then you are more knowledgeable about it. And usually when I go through something, I kind of need to deep dive and go through a bunch of different resources to try to circumvent it. So I was put on a pip at my last employer. I am currently unemployed. I am happily unemployed at the moment. So please know, oh my goodness, what happened? Nothing was bad. It wasn't a bad separation. But I was put on a pip and I failed the pip, which ended up in me being terminated from my last position which is not a bad thing. And I will explain this more later on in the episode because it's kind of a doozy. Um, it's just a lot. <laughs> the answer may be obvious to some, but clearly not to all. 
when I see posts on CS career questions, freaking out about the prospects of being put on a PIP and thinking that if you're put on a PIP, essentially you are doomed, your career is doomed, everything is terrible. What is going to happen to me? How will I ever code again in a mega corporation? It's not true. Um, and yes, I know that the subreddit CS career questions is not necessarily the best uh, group of people to be basing this information off of, but I do um, go in and give advice to as many people as possible. Please do not try to go and find my Reddit account because A, um, if I use my personal Reddit account, I usually delete the responses to questions that I answer so nobody can trace back to me or I use several other accounts that I also delete the answers for after a certain amount of time. So no, don't find me, please. Thank you. Now, nearly all of the advice to those people are start looking for a job immediately. Um, it's not going to end well. You're going to get fired, blah, blah, blah. And while that information isn't necessarily wrong, it is possible to be the PIP. However, you need to have certain criteria already met for this to be your outcome, which is what I referenced in the beginning of this episode as there's, there are some guidelines that you already need to have in place for a PIP to be successful. Now, as far as the resources that I use for this episode, um, there are a couple of articles, and then I will also list the resources throughout the episode as well, because I just want to be really transparent that a lot of this information is coming from me, but also I do research. I write transcripts for my episodes, so I want to be as transparent about where I get the information as possible. So in the beginning, there are two articles that I reference the most. Your Boss Put You on a Personal Improvement Plan, Now What? by Michelle E. Costello for The Daily Muse, and 17 Mind-Blowing Statistics on Performance Reviews and Employee Engagement by Meredith Holy for Clear Company. When I decided that I wanted to do this episode, honestly, I had it in my mind at the beginning of my PIP, which was... I want to say end of January is when that started, and then the PIP ended at the end of April. So in terms of length of PIP, because normally at the company that I worked for, I believe they were 30 or 60 days, it was a very, very long PIP. And I'm unsure if the length of time was because of what happened before the PIP that it got extended so long. However, this is this is what I have been given. Because I am a numbers person, you know, I immediately started researching for up-to-date statistics about PIPs, personal improvement plans, performance improvement plans. I've obviously seen things being noted as both uh, somebody reached out to me on Twitter and said that it was um, performance improvement plans. Um, And based on the research that I did after that tweet, I believe that it can be used as both. But we do know the acronym PIP and what it means. I wanted to know the following. I wanted to know percentage of people that experience PIPs in their career, percentage of them that fail their PIPs, and of those people that failed their PIPs, the percentage of them that had no trouble getting a job after the PIP. Because typically when I see people talking about PIPs, usually within tech, obviously, these are the three core questions or topics that seem to come up over and over again. And shockingly, the amount of statistical data regarding PIPs is pretty much non-existent. There are more articles and statistics for employers about what to do when you have an employee on a PIP than there is for employees, which is 
at first kind of shocking, the more I thought about how a PIP is an antiquated process and documentation for human resources, the more it started to make sense. Here's a hot take for you. No matter how cool the company you end up working for is, how much you believe that your manager loves you, how much you think that your skip levels manager loves you, and how well-documented and well-presented this PIP or this process is going to be to you, Remember that human resources is always there to protect the company and not to protect you when it comes to the company versus you. So keep that in mind. The company and human resources is there ultimately to make sure the company doesn't get sued, period. Going back to stats, because of there was no statistical data for me to go for, I decided in a true Jocelyn flair to work off my own sample group of one, aka me, <laughs> because that's all I had. So... The number of times I experienced a PIP in my career, one, just one. Percentage of times that I failed my PIP, 100%. Doing great. I failed my PIP. Yes. Percentage of people that had trouble getting a job after their PIP, 0%. Um, I haven't actually gotten a job after my PIP. Honestly, it's only been a couple of weeks, so... I'm kind of just chilling and trying to get my life together right now to get ready for uh, the interview and application process. Although I have started interviewing and I've started the application process for a couple of companies already. Um, so how can this be, you say? Isn't there a notion that after a PIP that suddenly you just are never going to find a job anymore? Well, I suppose I need to start explaining by how I got here. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep this as short as possible because a lot of the personal details regarding my PIP aren't necessarily important, but I have tried to pull out the points that are important for you to know. So step one, um, when I started at my company in 2018, June or July of 2018, one of those. When I started at the position, I had one manager whom I really, really liked. Um, the person that would eventually become a manager was my tech lead. He and I, there was just odd vibes right away. But I'm kind of used to it. The previous job I came from, I it was hellish to say the least. So, but I know how to keep it professional until it starts becoming a bit uh too much, which was not the situation that was going on at this job until much later, which I will get into. So um, I want to say like three or six months into my job, I was switched to my tech lead to be their employee. Um, I will say that also my manager um, got a promotion. So that is why they needed me to be under him in terms of an employee. And that is when all the problems started. For me. <laughs> um, I will also say that within this time frame, another colleague came on whom I really liked, and he was also put under my manager as an employee. And then within three months, quite literally three months, he left. And I believe around that time, I was thinking I probably should have left too. But, you know, I am stubborn, really stubborn sometimes, and I decided just to stay on. So there was a lot of back and forth between me and my manager. Um, it, it, I blame it on him not really knowing how to manage because he just received this promotion. 
I was the very first employee that he had. And prior to that, he did not have any managerial training. He received most of the managerial training while I was already his employee and during that duration. Needless to say, I believe in June of 2019, I get my first official review because I happened to come in under the mark for a review for the end of 2018. And I got what the company noted as a strong. So a strong is essentially average, really. Um, you always want to get, uh, I don't know what this, better than strong, strong get, I don't know. But better than strong and above is what you want to aim for in terms of compensation from bonuses. And that was great, except he was saying that I barely got a strong, which is kind of odd <laughs> to be like oh you did so well you got a strong but you barely got there sis like let's be clear you barely got it <laughs> which I, what what am I supposed to say to that uh fucking thank you I'll still take it because it's a strong on paper and so after that I were skipping along because that happened in June or July and then August I went on vacation for two weeks and just to reset because I was getting really stressed out um, my manager was very micromanaging it was just not a good uh, vibe and um, I was often found having to repeat myself with ideas or people not believing me with information that I had and then like two or three days later when somebody's still working on the same issue it turns out that I was right about it and you know it's just like it was very mentally draining very mentally draining. We're still going here. And so after I came back, I thought that, you know, my mind was reset. Everything was good because I wasn't in the office for two weeks. I wasn't in there for two weeks. So I, I thought that I had reset and would be good. I thought that maybe I was trying starting to experience burnout, but that was not the case. Um, so I get back and then he presents me with a an improvement plan. So an improvement plan at this company was different than a PIP. So an improvement plan in this instance is your your baby PIP, essentially. It's just between you and your manager. HR doesn't see this, but it still gets uploaded into like the database as far as your employee record. And these are the, and they outline things that they didn't like necessarily um, about that. So I was very confused, obviously, from getting from a strong to, a personal, I'm sorry, not personal improvement, an improvement plan within like two months, two or three months. I, I wasn't understanding how that could be since I had just finished like a very huge project and was getting praise for that. So at that time, I kind of noticed that, hey, I believe that they just want me to be out. So we're going to pause here because on Twitter at the Get Cute Podcast, and it was my little plug, I did tweet out and I did ask people if they had any questions about pips or myths about pips that they want known or to want to talk about. So as you know, I got a few replies. I got a lot of replies from two people, <laughs> to be completely honest. But I want to pause here because I did say that I thought that they were just gathering the paperwork to get me out, which is factual. Um, somebody on Twitter did say that one of the myths is, you know, that uh, most of us are at, at, 
at-will states and at-will companies, so that means an employer can uh, let you go for whatever reason, which is true, kind of. Um, employer can let you go for any reason. However, if they don't have the documentation to back up the reason why they are firing you, that opens up the company to a lawsuit. America, the United States, is very lawsuit happy. And believe me, if an employee thought that they were let go for a wrong reason and they're in the company or their manager did not cross their T's and dot their I's, they, they would become entangled in litigation in a lawsuit from the former employee to the employer. This is why HR has these practices in place for managers that are paper trails <laughs> to follow to make sure that it is known about troubles the manager had, what troubles the employees had, leading into your PIP, which is like the ultimate paper trail within a certain amount of time frame for you to pass that or to fail that, and then letting you go. So I know somebody on Twitter said that it companies can just let you go, but it's kind of false. They need to actually have their paperwork to be able to let you go in an at-will state. It's not fully just, okay, you're fired, goodbye, da-da-da. That's not how it happens here in the United States at anyway, because, look, talk to somebody in HR <laughs> that hasn't crossed their T's or dotted their I's and, and just ask them about litigation and lawsuits from former employees. I bet you would be shook. You hear me? Shook. <laughs> So to go back to my story, that is what I believed was happening and I still believe that was happening. So needless to say, I at first tried my hardest to address these issues, but then, um, and I didn't realize this until probably mid-December, that I was going through something that I had gone through before. Um, on a smaller scale. So I've always known I've had anxiety. I've been prone to anxiety attacks when I was younger. Gosh, maybe like 18, 19. I do get anxiety flare-ups a lot. Um, I, ha I have had panic attacks in the past, but none of them were nearly as bad as this. And so I found that during these months leading up to December that it was really hard for me to read. It was hard for me to retain information. Um, even I've written something down and reread that, I couldn't retain that information. So in fact, that actually slowed down my production time. And none of these things were really clicking for me. Like I didn't understand why. I knew that I was feeling anxious when I had to go into the office. I knew I was taking more work from home days because that was just one less a barrier for me to get to work and to try to be productive. So come in mid-December, it's still not getting any better, and I'm at my lowest of lows mentally. So I go ahead and go to my primary physician, which I'm very thankful to have health insurance from my previous employer and to be able to have a general physician. So I went to her, and I basically just – I had a breakdown in her office. I'm very fortunate that my GP is – very understanding and knew immediately what was going on. She listened to me and she was the person that said, um, you need to go on short-term disability. As for the definition of short-term disability, I got the best definition of this from an article called 16 Questions You Never Even Realized You Had About Short-Term Disability Benefits by Kat Buagard for The Muse. They keep coming up. A lot. That's pretty cool. 
So short-term disability as defined by CAT in this article is a type of insurance benefit in the United States that provides some compensation or income replacement for non-job-related injuries or illnesses that render you unable to work for a limited period of time. I didn't even think about going for short-term disability, but she wanted to start me on medication. I said yes because I couldn't think of any other way to get to just be able to function. And we went through the process of getting the paperwork. I had to call HR and get that all set up. Um, her, my doctor filling out the paperwork, that her faxing it to the office, and then I was approved for six weeks of short-term disability. It is important to note that I did receive either 80% to full compensation while I was on short-term disability. And so my manager, his manager, were made aware of the fact that I was on short-term disability leave for six weeks. So it, I was out from mid-December to almost to late January. Um, at one point, my doctor almost wanted me to go into February, but I was like, that's too long. I've been on medication now. Let's see how it works. After I came back from that short-term disability, I was handed my PIP, which is a little, a little odd, I think. (laughs) It's a little odd, but as I said before, employers are used, are getting their ducks in a row. The paperwork is being filed. It is happening. So don't let them fool you, sis. Okay? Hand it the pip. So I was still kind of emotionally fragile at this point. And um, for me in that situation, I just wanted the offer that was going to be less stressful for me. There were two options that my company gave me with my pip. Option one was going to be you can just say, no PIP, sis, and you will get your severance package after X amount of days or whatever, and they will keep you in touch with, like, um, uh, services that they have set up for you to help find a job or services that they have for you to do training, whatever it is. They It was pretty good as far as what the company had in order in, – in means of supporting you if you wanted to take that route. And then also in means of supporting me if I wanted to take the PIP. Obviously, in the end, I decided to take the PIP because at the time, that was the less stressful thing for me to do. I was very worried about income at that point and making sure that um, I, have, I, have, I have a cat. I have a child now. So <laughs> I needed to make sure that we had a home and I had money to provide for me and my Luna. And also, um, going through the PIP, that, that meant I had X amount of weeks of guaranteed income, okay? I had guaranteed income. So a lot of this was just making sure that I was not stressed out and it was money motivated as well. So now, sis, we're going to get into the bit where um, I don't want to necessarily say what happened during my PIP. I will say that I tried my hardest in the beginning and then I just stopped trying. Like, what else is there to say? (laughs) Um, I emotionally, I could not do it. I could not bring myself to try any harder than I already had. Um, but what I will tell you is that what I did do for like the first two months of my PIP 
was working extremely well. And the reason that I know that it was working extremely well is because of the feedback that I was getting every week from my, well, not my manager, but my fake manager in that time because during the time my manager went on a month-long vacation and so I was reporting to a fake manager. But it's convoluted, but you get the story. You understand what I'm saying. That's all that matters. So let me tell you the things that I did do in order to make the first half, two-thirds of my PIP successful for me. Promise, this works. The number one thing that you need in order to beat a PIP is to have a good manager. I did say twice in this episode, probably more, that there are things that you cannot control, that there are things that you are going to need to have before you even think you're getting a PIP in order to beat a PIP. And this is the number one thing. And what I mean by having a good manager, I mean having a manager that is active, a manager that is equally invested in your success because they know your success is their success, somebody that wants to mentor you, somebody that is going to give you constructive criticism, but then also make sure that you're acknowledged for the good things that you're doing as far as contribution to the team and to the company. <clears throat> I ain't gonna say nothing but my last manager, but here are some things that I know are the signs of a good manager. Ensure that they have been giving you weekly one-on-ones so news of a PIP would not be coming out of thin air. So in this instance, a one-on-one is a weekly sit-down meeting with your manager. It doesn't necessarily have to be in person. It can obviously be over Zoom or whatever else you're using for your quarantine work-at-home situation. But one-on-one meetings are important to discuss your progress with your manager. Depending on how many employees your manager actually has to manage, it's possible for your one-on-one to be once every two weeks, but it should definitely not be more than three and definitely not a month. That is showing me that the manager has too many employees or they're not focusing on the employees, they're focused on other things, but you need a manager to carve out that time at least once a week or once every two weeks in order to have communication with your manager, but the communication definitely should not be micromanagement. Another thing, managers need to be rooting for you and willing to help you through the PIP process. For me, I did have that sort of support going through my PIP from not my manager because he was gone for an entire month, but from his skip level and then from my fake manager as well. They were very um, nice. They were checking in on me. I was checking on them. They made themselves available as resources for me to reach out to them if there was any kind of roadblock in necessarily like in my work or if somebody from this team wasn't responding. All of those things were great. And I also noticed that HR gave my manager in the skip levels very specific things to say during the PIP. There was actually a transcript that they had to follow word for word during the PIP, which only further supports my idea that a PIP is an HR tool for paper trail management, which means they are trying to not be sued. How many more times do I have to tell you? How many more times? Third thing for knowing you have a good manager is that they don't get the defensive of constructive feedback from you. It's very important that a manager and employee partnership is a two-way street. As much as your manager is expected to give you feedback, you can also and you should also give your manager feedback. I'm not saying that you have to air any grievances that you have 
experience on the team or with them or anything of that nature. But that is expected of them. And if your manager doesn't get any constructive feedback about how they're managing people, then how will they become a better manager and to grow? So if the manager immediately becomes defensive, this should be seen as a red flag. If you're not supposed to be defensive when you're receiving constructive feedback from them, then they should be held to the same standard. If you have a good manager, let's move on to step number two, which is to document everything everything. When I am, uh, when my serotonin levels are high, when they are good, we're vibing, my anxiety is low. I am, I, I guess I'm type A. I'm type A. I'm just saying I'm type A. So I do have a productivity journal that I like to use and fill out during my day to day when I am at work and um, essentially just lists out tasks that I need to complete that day and um, the time that it took me to complete those tasks. And then also I write notes to myself about why this didn't get done that day which is really important because it's pretty much a written log of um, what you've done with timestamps. And I also um, decided to screenshot a lot of the things because in one section of my PIP, I noticed that there was a screenshot of my GitHub activity to show that I had, quote unquote, not produced enough. However, I will say this, that the time frame they were speaking of, I was working on a very large scale Jenkins migration. And if you have worked in Jenkins and you know about the scripting, and if your scripts aren't stored in a repo like ours weren't and are just stored locally on Jenkins, that you're not submitting any code for that. But I digress. I also started taking screenshots of my GitHub chart to show what I had been doing each day, how many commits I had been making, et cetera, et cetera, making sure that I'm putting those into the documents that I had written, the weekly reports that showed um, that I was tackling each section of the PIP that they had outlined for me and what I was doing to tackle that. And then when it came to my one-on-ones with my fake manager, we would go over that he would say he agreed, this is great. And then he, maybe he would add more things that I didn't have there or didn't document that he noticed. And then we would go on, it was signed off, it was Gucci. So that worked for about two months, y'all. That was, it was going very, very well. Another thing that I also say that is very important is to find a mentor. Please find a mentor. And I'm not saying a mentor necessarily for moving up in the company or anything, because that's not what we're worried about at this point. Once you receive a PIP, you're worried about just staying at the company. So I was really fortunate that I had coworkers that were very active in certain groups that my company had and um, connected me to somebody that was a recruiter. And they were able to give me very good feedback about how my situation was not normal and pretty much outline what I needed to do to make sure that I was successful in my PIP. They told me to document everything, which I already was doing, but they said to document it even more. I started forwarding my documentation to him as well uh, for him to proofread to make sure that everything was good. I also had weekly phone meetings with him to air out any grievances that I didn't necessarily want to say to like my manager or anything at that point. And he just kind of talked me through it and gave me really good advice and on how to circumvent those situations. So I will say that he was invaluable to me through that experience. And I'm very, very happy that I was able to find somebody that I trusted. But I would say to find a mentor, you don't necessarily have to tell them that you're on a PIP. Just say that you are noticing that you're maybe on an improvement plan or something of that nature. 
manager and see if they have any advice for you as far as to help you get through this. Now, all of these tips are based on the information that you get when you receive your PIP documentation. Usually when you receive a PIP, you should, extra highlight on should, because not all managers do this apparently. I have talked to people where this has not happened, so this is what happened to me. This is my own personal situation. You should receive a detailed outline of the benchmarks that you need to hit by the end of the PIP's time period in order to be considered a pass or a fail. Again, in my experience with the process, I had a weekly meeting with my fake manager and to make sure I was hitting my benchmarks or if I needed any help with the tasks that I was assigned. And again, like I said, that was very, very helpful. But within your PIP, everything is very, very detailed and shows what you need to do. I was thankful for that as well because it gave a very pretty good breakdown. Now, if you do everything that I say as far as documentation, finding a mentor, making sure that everything is just good with your manager, mm, finding a good manager, having a good manager, then you should, in all intents and purposes, be able to pass your PIP, right? Right. You know, sometimes if you don't have a good manager or you just know that it's a situation where they are just trying to get you out, then that is when you want to start job hunting. And like I said before, most of the time on CS Career Questions, people are just saying, start looking for a job. They're not wrong. Once you get a PIP, you don't necessarily have to start filling out applications, but you can start networking. You can start looking on Twitter to see what companies have openings or trying to gauge the reaction and things of that nature. Um, Actually, even when I am with a company, I, my motto is to never close a door. Even if I'm with a company and everything's going very, very well, I'll always leave that line open with a recruiter or whomever, just in case maybe something changes and I am looking for a change or a shift, then I know that I have somebody I can go back to and see what's going on. So it's always good to be networking and having those lines open anyway while you have a job, even if things are going on. But when you get a PIP, you want to kind of amp that up. Amp it up if it's not going to cause you additional stress. That's very important. Um, I will say that during my PIP, I had <laughs> not the best uh, ideas of trying to uh, study for interviews and then also interview with places like Google and Amazon who have notoriously difficult interviews. And, you know, don't be mean. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely get ready. And, you know, if you can tell toward the end of your PIP period that things aren't going to go well, then chances are it's pretty good to start brushing up on your coding interview challenges. I did tell y'all that I did ask people on Twitter about some questions they have with PIPs, and I'm going to address these. I may have already addressed some of these questions in the episode, but um, let's just go over them again to make sure that everybody is clear. So the first question is, when should a PIP be a nudge to consider a different position? Ah! <laughs> I just went over this. Um, a PIP should be a nudge to consider a different position when you know that you were already unhappy in the job in the first place and you were only staying for stability and money. That is when I think a PIP could be a nudge to consider a different position, whether that position be on a different team within the company or maybe outside of the company. I definitely think that's when you should start considering for a different position. Uh, another question is, 
Presuming a PIP goal for me is improve performance in your current position, what strategies should the PIP offer? Who should we reach out to for support? Which resources can we use? So I believe that a PIP goal being improved performance in your current position is too vague for it to be an actionable PIP goal. Um, usually I would expect the PIP goal to have that as like maybe a header and then for it to list out specific instances, like measurable instances where your performance can be improved because you can't tell me to improve my performance if you don't have numbers to back that up because you have to sign a PIP because it is a document for HR I in that meeting I would need them to revise that PIP for me and I actually did that because we read through the PIP together and I went line by line and I told them things that needed to be changed or removed or something that needed to be actionable um, because this is something that's going to be with you at that company for the lifetime of that company and you need it to be correct so the very first thing is I would need actual measurable instances rather than just improved performance in your current position as far as what strategies should the PIP offer again actionable ones who should we reach out to for support which resources can we use I did say this that your manager and his skip level and your current team should be support as far as getting your tasks and deliverables done as far as like emotional support Always go to your friends, your partner, your family should be there for you. Which resources can we use? Um, your manager or your skip level should be able to provide you additional resources for you to use with regarding your PIP. Um, another resource that I mentioned as well is to find an internal mentor or maybe an outside mentor that can um, walk you through that. Another question, what creative strategies would you all recommend for digging deeper than just work more and harder? I'm thinking of when my manager bluntly and compassionately instructed me to buy a nice pair of noise canceling headphones using the desk budget provided by HR. I don't know if I can give a creative strategy. That's just so weird. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, and honestly, without the context of which this was said, I can't give much thought to this, but for your manager to tell you to buy noise-canceling headphones using the desk budget, I think that's kind of nice. I think that, that was sort of nice of him to tell you, hey, I think it was Maybe his way of saying, I think maybe you're being like you're getting distracted. And if you buy a nice pair of noise canceling headphones, you don't even have to pay for it. You can just use the budget that the company provides you. Then that might help you in terms of that. That's the way I'm taking that. That, But of course, I believe that you took it in a different way because you said your manager bluntly and compassionately instructed you to. Um, but as far as strategies, that is really dependent on the person. I'm the type of person that gets distracted very easily and it's not necessarily just sound. It could just be like with another task. I'm that type of person that can get um, diverted from that. But I have mentioned in a, a season one episode where I love the Pomodoro method and that's what my productivity journal that I was speaking about earlier as far as documenting what you're doing on your PIP is used for. And the Pomodoro method, especially for somebody where my attention gets drawn to different places sometimes, it's so nice and it's really amazing for that. So I definitely suggest finding a productivity journal that you like. I will leave a link to the productivity journal in the show notes of this episode that I use. 
I'm not sponsored by them. I just happen to like that the most. It's pocket size. It's very straightforward and to the point, and it is the best thing that I have used. Outside of questions, there are more comments here. And I think I, I mentioned this in the episode too. If the company is sure they want to fire you, they can simply fire you and avoid the headache of administering a PIP. The vast majority of us are at-will employees. Like I said before, yes, the vast majority of us are at-will employees. And typically, I have seen in companies that they don't outright fire you unless you have committed something Um, pretty grievous against their set code of conduct and guidelines in the company handbook. And also perhaps you've already had warnings for a specific thing, which would be in this case, the improvement plan and the PIP. So while that is true that most of us are at-will employees, I will say this again to reiterate to the end of days that a PIP is for HR not so much for you. If you beat a PIP, congratulations. Um, It's very doable. It's not impossible. But also know that that's going to stay on your record as well. And um, yeah, just know that. And if you think you can still be happy with your current manager and that current team after the PIP, by all means, go for it. You may even want to move to a different team after that. But PIPs are definitely to keep the company from getting sued. Another comment. I've been on a PIP before. I was straight up not doing well at my job. Hey, same, 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 same. If it happens to you, it can be hard to swallow. Know that you're still a good person, a good worker. It's just a wake up call that you've been doing, what you've been doing isn't working. Something has to change. Um, Yes, but also that blame isn't necessarily always on the person that's receiving the PIP. Of course, I would be a fool to not acknowledge that I wasn't doing well in my job. I obviously wasn't doing well at my job, but I also had underlying mental health issues at the time. (laughs) Um, because of my job. So that was very hard for me. But I will say that if you don't have a good manager, I'm really, I'm really digging this home. If you don't have a good manager or support system at work, it can be equally their fault as well because your manager is supposed to help you succeed if you want to succeed as well. So it's definitely a balance there. A reminder, Getting a PIP does not mean that your career is over. It does not mean that you're never going to work as a software engineer for a company ever again. There's this myth going around that having a PIP means that when you're going to apply for another company and that they are going to badmouth you and that you'll never be able to get a job again. That is simply false. But not only is it simply false, it's also illegal in many places in the United States. An employer cannot badmouth you unless something grievous has happened. Usually it's a yes or no question as to if you want to hire that person again. Now in my PIP, it outlined that if I were to fail the PIP, the only thing that they would be giving to other employers when they do a a reference check is the salary that I had there and for how long I worked there. And that's it. That's all. Now, this gives you a blank slate. However, you want to tell the truth about what happened with your next company. Don't lie about the reason why you left your company. Say that it just wasn't a good fit with the manager and I'm looking for another opportunity where my manager and I can work as one or yada, 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 something, something, something. I know you guys can make something up on the spot. Just remember that if you think you're going to get a pip, have a one-on-one with your manager. Your manager doesn't necessarily have to be the ones to set up the one-on-ones, but you can set up the one-on-ones yourself for a weekly vibe check at your job. And remember, if you are on a PIP now, or if you failed a PIP, or even if you've passed your PIP, congratulations, this is not 
a benchmark against you. It does not mean that you are a bad worker as someone who nicely tweeted that at me (laughs) said. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that now you have a benchmark for how you continue being a badass software engineer or a technologist and everything will be fine. I promise. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and found it informative, share it with a friend and also leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to your podcasts. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, also feel free to email me at thegetcutepodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me or tweet at me at getcutepodcast on Twitter. Now, there are some back office updates for Get Cute. <clears throat> I will be continuing to religiously update load an episode every Monday from now on, which is May 18th. Happy Monday. Um, I've obviously gotten my energy back for podcasting and I am on a roll. I have also gotten a sweet new microphone. I've gotten a sweet new computer that I've built, which is a hint at next week's episode. And with that said, if there are any topics that you would want me to research and cover, feel free to tweet at me at GetCutePodcast, my personal Twitter at so-and-sos, which is S-O-A-N-D- SOS or email them to thegetcutepodcast at gmail.com. That felt really good to finish this episode. <laughs> Thank you to everyone that is still following me on Twitter, that is still following me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all those great places where my podcast is. I am actually very excited that this episode is done. I was very nervous in the beginning. And uh, welcome to season two. Welcome to new mic. Welcome to new music. Everything's pretty good. It's not bad. Not bad. Right, Luna? Luna's asleep. All right. Well, I will see y'all next week. Bye.